what is up everybody welcome to another episode of pod slamma jamma and on 713 day july 13th 2023 we are officially uh, the big 12 media day is officially in the rearview mirror of course there's a lot of exciting times for the houston cougars football program this is going to be their first year ever as a big 12 school and joining us to talk about that will be starns leland of the daily cougar we're very excited to hear what he had to say as he was up in arlington on wednesday to talk about the houston cougars perspective on big 12 media day don't go anywhere you're listening to pod slamma jamma here on the pod slamma jamma youtube channel <laughs> Yeah. High standards, high goals, and, you know, we know what it takes to get there. I want to be on guard with you, <laughs> if I'm honest. Coaches, coach, players, play. You know, and that's a great place to be in your life. We you care less what other people think. So joining us, like I mentioned, Starnes, welcome to Pod Slime and Jamma, and joining me as always, Dayon Dunlap. How are you two doing? I'm good. I'm I'm tired. Just got back, <laughs> but we're here, and I'm uh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. For sure, Dayon. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good as well. And it's Friday, Junior. Ready for the weekend. Friday Eve, but let's get right into it. Stars, like I mentioned, you were in Arlington for Big 12 Media Day. First and foremost, what was the atmosphere like when it comes to Cowboys Stadium? Uh, Dayon can attest to this because he's a Cowboys fan. So just to uh, hear Cowboys Stadium, there's got to be kind of an extra buzz, just an aura of being in that arena, that stadium for Media Day. Oh, yeah, it was, it was, it was huge. I mean, it was like just the the buzz the hustle and bustle of the whole thing i mean just hundreds of just media people there's you know the giant radio row towards one of the end zones and then then the big stage at midfield with the the giant monitor the giant uh, uh jumbotron right above it i mean it was it was pretty pretty wild pretty awesome to be there and uh yeah it was exciting there any takeaway that you had that just specifically when it comes to that media day, the atmosphere, anything that might have stood out to you from what the Big 12 did for media specifically before we get into any specifics? Well, I honestly didn't have much to base it off of. Um, you know, it's my first media day I've ever been to. I mean, I think the really like big, you know, sort of event like that was the AAC championship with basketball in Fort Worth mm-hmm. and that. And that didn't hold a candle to, to this. And I was I was talking to um, you know Ryan Monso, Go Cougs, and Joseph Duarte about what AAC Media Day was like in uh, in in Newport, and they just said it was it was probably less than a tenth of the size of of what Big Twelve Media Day it was. So it was it was almost overwhelming at some points. It was it was wild. That's definitely interesting to hear. Like you said, it's part of part five. Uh, welcome to the Big 12 Conference. So let's get right into the Big 12 Media Day. And specifically when it comes to the Houston Cougars and what head coach Dana Horson had to say, I think the biggest storyline heading into this training camp that's going to start in a 
few weeks and we're literally just under two months now before the Houston Cougars football team take the field as a Big 12 program against UTSA at the beginning of September. But like I said, the biggest storyline, quarterback, who's going to be winning that quarterback position when it comes to Donovan Smith and Lucas Coley? What did head coach Daniel Hogerson had to say about that and anything else that might have stood out to you about Hogerson's comments? Well, I think uh, I think it was pretty obvious that Donovan Smith is, is sort of the leader right now, but I don't think it's a, it's definitely not a prohibitive leader. I mean, I think purely just because of his, his experience at 21 games that he had playing for Texas tech in the big 12 specific as well. Um, and especially, you know, he beat, he beat U of H last year uh, in that double overtime game. So I think that is sort of what is putting him ahead right now, but I, it's still really close from what it seemed like to me um, based on what he said. And also I think main thing, you know, we can, as a, you know, we can sort of speculate as to who's leading right now, who's not, but uh, it seemed to me that, you know, Dana Holgerson was going to really wait until, you know, pretty close probably to, to week one to really name a starter uh, because uh, he, he brought up a conversation that he had with the uh, case Keenum. And he said that case Keenum said that he wouldn't name a starter and just let him battle it out. And then it'll take care of itself. And so, you know, again, right now, it seems like Donovan Smith is in the leader, but, you know, don't expect any any proclamations right now. Dayon, you hear that, the Donovan Smith, yeah. at, at least from being potentially a front runner. What say you about that? Yeah, I wasn't really surprised by that based off some of the comments that I've heard. But um, I think what um, – like uh, Star just mentioned, that not only does his experience play a, a role into it, but I think the the measurements and, and probably how he's practiced. Uh, of course, we don't have the ability to see exactly how he's practiced and who's played better or performed better in practice. But you look at some of the other um, comments that he's made, you see things about him um, congratulating uh, Donovan Smith about the way he's practiced different throws that he's making. So no really surprise there, but as the season goes on, I, I think it, it is a legitimate quarterback competition. I wouldn't be surprised if both players actually play in week one and in, in, um, in a two quarterback package and kind of let the, the competition play out organically, whoever performs better in games to kind of um, get the, the nod. Yeah, Dan, that's a great point. And Starnes, I'm going to go to you because I know that Holger, it's something that Holger, I'm not sure if he mentioned it during media day, but I know for sure during the spring practices, he alluded to regardless of who ends up winning the competition, both quarterbacks are going to play. Something that head coach Holgerson has said. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on how you could potentially see that playing out during the course of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think early on, I would expect sort of, I wouldn't be surprised if both sort of play in those first couple games against, you know, Rice, uh, Sam Houston, UTSA. Um, it's, I'm sure it'll be more of a feeling out process. I, you know, if he, if he says something like that, you know, he expects both to play. I, in my mind, I'm thinking of Michigan last year with, uh, um, it was, I don't even remember the quarterbacks. It was, uh, Mac, I think McNamara was one of them. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, McNamara, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember the name, so I feel like an idiot for that. But um, <laughs> don't but worry. That's about what it. that's what's in my head, you know. Uh, sort of thinking about that, and then I'm sure, probably towards you know, beginning, middle, you know, early middle of the season, they'll probably be uh, 
set in stone for the most part. Well, what makes me think about, I don't know if you guys um, remember, but when Florida had it with Chris Leak and Tim Tebow, mm-hmm. I, think, um, I think that's a, what reminds me of Chris Leak has experience, good arm, can make all the throws. And I think Donovan Smith is kind of like that. Then you have that younger athletic quarterback who can also um, throw the ball as well as a legitimate dual threat. And so I, it kind of reminds me of that. You see Coach Hogerson, I'm sure, and staff use a, a little bit of a two-quarterback system. Then as, you know, like um, like Sarge just says, the season goes on, practice goes on, they're probably kind of hold, hold in on one guy. Most definitely. Now, when it comes to the quarterback position, obviously that's the one that gets the most attention. That's the eye candy because of how important that quarterback position is. But this Houston Cougars team, not just the university as a whole, but obviously we know they're in a the transition. They're making a the jump from from Group of Five in the American Athletic Conference to Power Five in the Big 12. Something that Hogerson mentioned during the media day was that – it's the number 42, 42 new players on the roster for the Houston Cougars football 42 team. 42 out of 85. That is absurd. That's 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 more than half the roster, correct? I'm trying to – it just might under. be just under. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But still, that's, that is an insane turnover across different positions. And another one of the comments that stood out to me during, uh, during media day is that – I can't remember who said it, but I, it popped up in my timeline – Majority of the players have been recruited specifically to play in the Big 12, which uh, some some people have took that comment are like, well, of course, duh, what are you recruiting? But what, what it means is obviously something that Horson has mentioned since it was announced that they were going to be joining the Big 12 is how important it is to be able to have depth at multiple positions. That's really what separates group of five teams from power five is what Horson has said in the past. So a lot of youth a lot of new faces on the program how do you think that's going to impact the team heading into training camp and into the season starts well um he did mention that you know in terms of big 12 recruits and things like that it's the body the you know bigger bodies are coming into Mm -hmm. the program but one thing he mentioned and i and i asked him about this was uh you know how how are they going to get those new all those new guys caught up not only with the team for a new season but also just for a whole new conference in conjunction with the whole team. And he just kind of shook his head and said, you tell me, I don't know. He just, <laughs> you know, he, he was pretty uh, uh, adamant about, you know, how they're really with NCAA restrictions on practices and contact and things like that, that there's a sort of an issue that he, he's not very happy with how much time he's going to be able to practice, how he wants to practice with this team. But he also did say, you know, every team is sort of dealing with that. You know, every team has a lot of turnover. So it'll be interesting to see sort of what, you know, how they go, how much they're able to catch up these guys, you know, come week one and things like that. I think it would benefit the program in a positive way. Not only, well, not so far as looking out the product they'll put out in regards to resulting in wins and losses, but just overall, I think it'll breed more competition. And then I saw Patrick Paul, I think um, Chris posted um, a clip that he had from the accident. Patrick Paul said it's been really competitive. It's like a, a lot of chips on the shoulders because I think everyone on the pro um, on the team is looking to not only make their name within the program, but make their name in the conference on the national stage. So I think that competition will make practices more intense. I think um, coaches, I'm sure, would be happy with the level of attention that players 
are paying to ensure that they have a spot to be able to get out on the field and do ultimately what they want to do and perform and get their name out there and make it to the next level. So I, I think it's a it's a good thing. I'm sure on a year to year basis, you probably won't have as much turnover. But like um, like stars, like you just mentioned, Coach Homer is looking to get bigger bodies. And that's in every position from receiver to to quarterbacks to linemen to, to you name it. And I wouldn't rule out that um, this team has just as good as chemistry from years past because of the way that they probably will all gel together and have that commonality in regards to wanting to prove that they belong in the Big 12. Yeah, that's a great point. And when you look at the preseason polls uh, that came out right before media day, out of the 14 teams going to be the lone year, at least as of now, where the Big 12 is going to be a 14-member institution conference, uh, Houston is ranked to finish 12th out of the 14th in uh, the preseason poll, which I'm sure that's something that I don't know that any of the players or even Horson was asked about specifically, but I'm sure that's something that's got to be on their mind that really – there's not a lot of expectations for this program heading into the Big 12. So when it comes to being able to compete with the quote unquote powerhouses of the conference. Yeah. Um, you know, again, not a lot much, not too much was said about that. Um, I asked uh, Nelson Caesar about it and he just was like, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't really mean anything at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, I did see that Patrick Paul was said that there is a bit of a chip on the team's shoulder going into this year. And that, you know, he was just saying people watch out. That, that was that was sort of one of the things you said. Yeah, no, most definitely. And even I know, obviously, different conference, but just look at a season ago when Houston was picked as the favorite to win the American Athletic Conference. Uh, that didn't turn out the way that the preseason polls had designated it. And then, of course, heading into Big 12, Texas, the favorite to win the Big 12 in their final year in the conference. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Is there anything else regarding Dana Horvath specifically that stood out to you, uh, Starnes, during media day? Um. I think one thing that he mentioned that was uh, pretty interesting to me was uh, particularly the wide receiver group. Um, he was pretty pretty confident uh, in the wide receiver group, you know, and of course, which is, I think, maybe surprising to some people considering, you know, they lost the nation's leading receiver in, in Tank Dell. Mm -hmm. But he was, uh, you know, he mentioned Matthew Golden coming back. They have big expectations for him. Joseph Manjack and uh, Sam Brown. I think all those guys are, are captains this year. Um or they they have the single digits, I believe, and right. uh, also you know some transfers like Stefan Johnson, some some recruits like Michael Harrison Pilot, and so he was pretty. He said that I think he said something like you know it was, it was one of the things that he's really really confident in going into this year. No, for sure. I think yeah. that's that's the one position where um, I mean, just even looking historically at what the the program has done at that position specifically under Dana Holgerson they've been able to develop um, very good receivers that have gone on too that have gone on to play at the next level in the NFL and, and getting drafted so I, that's certainly um, a good group to have really as a group of strength if you're going to pick one um, I get we're going to transition now towards specifically about the players um, once again we're being joined by Starnes Leland of the Cougar not the Daily Cougar they got rid of the Daily a while back the Cougar com. we thank you for being a part of this show but real quickly we'd like to remind everybody that may be watching and or listening if you're watching live on the Pot Slam at Jamma YouTube channel we'd like to thank you and uh, whether you're new to the channel or you are a returning face 
please be sure to hit the like button on YouTube. It really helps us out. Honestly, thank you. We can never say thank you enough for helping us achieve the 1,000 subscriber goal. And if you're not watching live or you're listening audio only and whatever audio platform that may be, of course, be sure to give us some ratings. Give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And, of course, make sure you make it a part of your daily – not your daily career. Now I have the daily career in my mind, sounds, but just in part of your UH digest because we have a lot of information when it comes to now that we're really starting to gear up. Just a few weeks away from training camp as we get back into it so we mentioned a little bit about the players that were available during media day for the houston cougars contingent um it was hassan hippolyte patrick paul and of course nelson caesar and jack freeman stars we mentioned this quote offer before we we hopped on but hassan hippolyte i think he won a lot of houston cougar fans over for his blue collar quote um and that 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 we're blue collar, obviously. It, it's said often when it comes to the men's basketball team, but I think overall when it comes to the city of Houston, they really embrace that blue collar mentality. And, and I think the way uh, Hippolyte said it, just in terms of they don't care about NIL, they're coming here, they're trying to be able to have success. And again, like we alluded to in the previous segment, there's a lot of these players that have a chip on their shoulder. That 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 one media deal when it comes to the Houston Cougars, but what else did some of the players have to say that uh, stood out? I know you said that's not too much to sit out, but maybe something that, that caught your eye. Um, I think one thing that I thought was pretty interesting was uh, when Jack Freeman talked about Donovan Smith, he talked about when he came to the team, uh, he didn't really talk to Donovan Smith for, for about a month and a half. Hmm. And then, uh, you know, you just warmed up to him. And in, in the span of 12 months, they're sort of thick as thieves. They took a trip to Los Angeles to get, or not Los Angeles, Las Vegas together. So that was something that sort of stood out. Um, yeah, there was a, uh, there, yeah, that was that was probably if there was one thing that stood out to me, that was it. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. interesting. Yeah, that is definitely interesting, especially from a quarterback transferring in, and you know your prohibitively started center. I mean, he's your starting center for them not to have, um, not really speak over when down. That's I don't want to say it's alarming, but it's something that I wouldn't have expected. But I did see pictures of that trip to Vegas with him and Patrick Paul, and so. It seems like Donovan Smith is very outgoing and is kind of winning over his teammates organically versus trying to kind of kind of force a relationship. And so uh, I'm interested to see him because watching him at Texas Tech, um, the few times that I did, you see he has all the tools to make all the throws. He has the size and athletic ability. It's about putting it all together and kind of limiting some of those turnovers. And so uh, I'm interested to see the type of leader that he can be for this team, especially with the experience that he has. Yeah, and, and Holgerson kind of mentioned it uh, during media day, but same thing just in terms of not trying to force it, that, that organic, the key word for Donovan Smith, not coming in here and really try to to play the role of a leader. He slowly let it happen, like the, the word Dayon said, organically let it happen naturally and, and slowly went over um, the teammates. You can't just come in here and, and try to just like – Try to take over from day one. It's going to be interesting how that plays out. Now, when it comes to Jack Freeman and specifically when it comes to the offensive line, I know, Starnes, you mentioned the receiver group, but I think the offensive line could be one of those other positions that heading into the season you feel confident about just because of the continuity standpoint. But what are your thoughts on the offensive line heading into the upcoming season? 
Yeah, it's definitely an interesting group uh, with, you know, four-year starters and Patrick Paul and Jack Freeman. Or I don't know if Jack Freeman was a four-year starter, but, you know, guys who have been here for the last four years are going into their fifth year. Guys like that, Ruben Unige, um, those guys, that continuity. And also, I think one of the interesting things was uh, the their new offensive line coach, uh, Iman Nagavi, came out of Tulane. Tulane uh, obviously had an incredible year winning, a, you know, winning the uh, Cotton Bowl, I believe it was, mm-hmm. in against USC uh, behind, you know, Ty J Spears and that sort of running attack. Um, and also coming, you know, coming from the area, came out of Katy High School. I went to Cinco Ranch. I They were our rivals. They always, they always kicked our butts. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I think that it'll be sort of a, a I think personally, I think uh, – uh, this offensive line group is probably the most, definitely the most important group going into the year with new quarterbacks and, you know, going in against those, just those new, that those new defenses in the big fall. Yeah. And I think the key um, is those two names that you mentioned with Freeman and Patrick Paul. I think Tyler Johnson is the name that I'm, I heard coach Hogerson mention a lot transfer from Texas. I think he will um, step in and play a key role, but I think it is the most important position group because not only to give the quarterback time, but to give the running backs room to run the football. I think there'll be um uh, emphasis to run the football as it always is in Coach Hogerson's staff, but l- losing Alton and having Brandon Campbell, you still have Sneed, you still got Keaton Walker, you had the transfer um, from West Virginia come in as well. And so the offensive line, I think, can be a really cohesive group, but they're probably all the most important group because if you don't have protection, you can't open up holes, then it's, it's almost um, null and void to be able to get those playmakers the ball in space with all those receivers that they have on the outside and the talent that they have in the backfield. But I think it was a strength last year, and I think it can even be a more um, be a strength again this year. But I, I think it all starts up front with the offensive line, and can they be able to protect the quarterback and open some some holes for the for, for the running back? And I, I do think it says something about the team that you know of the four players that they brought to media day were offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, most definitely. And it's kind of interesting when you think back to the offseason, there's obviously there's going to be a lot of change. We alluded to the 42 new players that are the new faces that are on the roster, but that's just a lot of change overall. You mentioned uh, Nagavi, the new offensive line coach. It really, it, you can tell just by hearing head coach Dana Homerson talk how highly he thinks of him and specifically what he was able to do. You mentioned Tulane, but even at his previous stops, um, that's definitely going to be a point of emphasis for this team. And Starnes, you were a part of some of the availabilities. Um, I think Hogerson was very much more, um, there was a much more emphasis on it during the early season ones, but the early in the season availabilities, but there was a, there was a focus on wanting to run the ball effectively last season. And especially during the first part of the month, it, they, there was, it was a struggle through to be able to really establish a dominant run game. And that's part of the reasons why there was just some struggles at the beginning of the season for the football team, and that's one of the reasons that Nagavi was brought in here to be able to really being able to establish what he did at his previous stops and, and make that a point of emphasis this year. Now, we know that quarterback Clayton Toon was mobile a little bit, but they didn't necessarily want him you know, scrambling at, at often. They wanted him to, if he had to scramble, it was 
really um, in emergency situations. When you think of quarterback Lucas Coley and Donovan Smith, specifically when it comes to Donovan Smith um, and something that he was able to excel at at Texas Tech was being able to use uh, his legs. Do you think that that that's going to be a much more point of emphasis or it could it be something that at this point you just don't know because of how early it is? Um, I mean, I, I definitely think it'll be a part, um, especially just going into this new, new, this new conference and playing some of the teams, you may kind of have to pull out, pull out all the stops sometimes. Um, especially, you know, with the running game that sort of struggled last year, um, at least early on. Um, and sort of the with the offensive line you have, I mean, it'll it'll take pressure off of them. But having if that offensive line really does gel and does as well as maybe they can, that'll open up new new lanes for Donovan Smith and Lucas Coley to run. Yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent. I think they will use um, more of a pass read option as well as read option with the quarterbacks. I, I think they'll give them the opportunity to um, be able to either pass or run or you uh, or scramble and make more plays because I think they're going to look to control the time of possession and stay ahead of the, the chains a lot. I think they'll look to try to stay out of those third and six and seven, eight downs and try to stay in those third and mental situations just so they can keep the playbook open and not put so much pressure on the quarterback to have to make throws. So with doing that, I think they will – um, run some design quarterback runs, but within that, it'll be some pass read options to kind of get the ball out quick, quick screens, get it out to um, some of your prolific playmakers on the outside. And to your point with the ball control, you know, the new rules this year with the first down rule, the clock doesn't stop after a first down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Dana didn't say much would change, but, you know, his emphasis on ball control, you know, it's definitely aided. Yep. by those new rules, and that will probably open up some new options for running and things like that. That's a great point, Starnes, and kind of shifting gears and focusing on the defense. Obviously, that was a unit that struggled last season. It was a big part of why Houston as a team struggled um, throughout the course of the season. What can you tell us about specifically what you feel about different positions on the defensive side of things and maybe something that Hassan Hippolyte or Nelson Caesar said during media day? Um. You know, I think Nelson Caesar is going to be definitely an X factor, along with uh, the transfer out of Oklahoma, David Uguebu. And uh, that defensive line is really going to have to show up, you know, especially, you know, I think they took such a hit last year losing Derek Parrish for the year. Um, and in terms of, you know, the linebacker group, um, Hassan Hippolyte making that change to safety, He's pretty excited about it, it seemed like, especially uh, he mentioned that, you know, as a safety, he would get in trouble a lot for being aggressive and being having a nose towards the line of scrimmage. And now being a linebacker, he's not going to really have that. He's not going to get in trouble as much with that. It's not going to be a problem. Um, so I think, you know, those two areas, you know, I, I like some of the DBs that they have, some of the ones that they brought in. Um, so it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting. It'll be tough. I mean, there's some really good offenses in the big 12 and you know coming off of last year it, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they hold up yeah well i think we have two really good corners and 
and um, Jalen Emery, as well as Alex Hogan. Now, the, the, and as well as linebackers, I like our linebackers with Hassan Hippolyte, as well as Malik Robinson. And but I think the back end, who the safeties, I think that's a position I'm going to keep my eye on, see who kind of emerges as starters and, and playmakers on the back end on the safety. But I, I like um, Houston's defensive back, but I think it all starts up front with Sack Ave and the defensive line. I mean, over the last five to six years, Houston has had a dominant defensive lineman that has really made it um, the jobs, I don't want to say easier, but kind of made the secondary not for forced them to not have to cover so long so in which it kind of it helps them out and so i think it is going to be important for nelson caesar and some of the new additions um like you just mentioned to come in and have an impact i think dot would be a bully in the, in the interior of that line and be able to, to stop some runs but it's going to be a collective effort you know in the big 12 they're going to have um defend high-powered offenses day in, game in and game out, week to week. And so um, I think that's going to be probably the, the biggest transition as we continue um, to see Houston play against some of these power five schools week in and week out. A few more things for you, starting specifically in regards to the roster makeup heading into training camp. But I'm curious to get, what are what are your thoughts on the secondary heading into the season? Because, uh, like Dion mentioned, uh, specifically when it comes to safety, but overall for that position group as a whole last season, a big part of it had to do with injuries. There was a lot of times when you know, freshmen, sophomores, they weren't expected to get playing time. Something that defensive coordinator Doug Belk mentioned over the course of the season, they had to get a lot of run because there was just no one else to play. But what, what are your expectations of that group specifically heading into the season? I think um, it, having a, a good DB group, of course, helps. But, you know, I, I remember, I think earlier in the year, um, in one of these podcasts, Ryan Watson mentioned how, you know, the year prior with Marcus Jones and, uh, and Demarion Williams, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it helps sort of everything sort of the room for error is more, you get the offensive line gets more time to get to the quarterback and, and linebackers are able to pass off their mismatches and things like that. So if Jalen Emery and Alex Hogan are able to play well, be healthy and play well, it could, I mean, it could be a huge boost uh, to that to that defense. Yeah, most definitely. That's a great point. And you forget, I mean, both both those guys went on to play in the NFL. And obviously, of course, we know what Marcus Jones was able to do uh, for the New England Patriots. Now, last question, uh, specifically about kind of the makeup of the team, but specifically when it comes to, I guess this is much more or less about overall expectations. I mentioned the preseason poll. It is what it is. There's not a lot of stock into it. At the end of the day, it's based off, really, it's based off narratives. But do you think, what what do you think the ceiling of this team can be in the first year of the Big 12? The ceiling, to me, I if this team ends up with seven, eight wins, I think you should be thrilled, honestly. Um, with some of the some of the teams that they're playing in the first year, and the, again, all those new guys, you know, it's going to be tough to really just sort of come into the Big Twelve and and really sort of take take ownership. You know, there you know there are a few games, of course, early on in the year that they should be able to take it. Um, with you know, you know, Rice, they've beaten, you know, they haven't lost to them in almost what thirteen years, something like that. It's been a long time. They came close last year, though. Yeah, it's been a long time. I think um, I think we'll learn a lot 
against UTSA. Um, UTSA also lost a good bit of their their team. It's a good mm-hmm. program. Um, I, I think we'll learn sort of what the ceiling and what the floor is for this team in that week one matchup. Do you think uh, – bring up a comment from uh, one of our viewers on YouTube watching live. Do you think there's any type of hot seat for Dana Horgerson or – it is a transition year. It's for the most part he's going to be the head coach, barring you know, barring the worst case scenario. Uh, I mean, you know, again, worst case, I, I, I can see it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Chris Pesman, you know, throughout sort of the the week, uh, throughout media day, he was mentioning, you know, get to a bowl game, get to a bowl game, and you know, whatever, however stock you want to put into that. If they do, if they don't, um, I, I do think there is there is an expectation to, I mean, at least for this team, be competitive in the Big 12 in that first year. And, you know, if they don't, if they really fall on their face, I, you know, who knows? It'll be the first year. Maybe there's a, a bit of a, a cushion there for them. But, yeah, that that's that's really what I, what I think. Yeah, I think it have to be a total disaster, maybe – two or three wins for Hogerson to be on the hot seat. I think for me, from what I've seen, they, I think he does a good job of not, um, of managing the expectation with not only within the media, but within the program and within the higher ups who people above him. I think, um, it's not high expectations to come in and win. So I don't, but at the same time, I think there will be outside pressure if he just if the team just wins maybe two or three games. I think then we'll see fans and a lot of people clamoring for his job. But even then, I don't know if he if um, they make the move. For sure, I I, I agree. I think worst case scenario, like uh, both of you mentioned, two three wins. I think specifically losing to Rice or Sam Houston, one of those, that would be worst case scenario. But even then, I first of all, I don't think that's likely at all. I think they'll they'll most definitely be able to. Honestly, I think they could win out their non conference slate. I mean, you starts you alluded to a lot of it will be answered that first game one against UTSA. I personally don't think that the the they will reach rock bottom this season. I think here what Joe Mendes said, six and six with a bowl victory, he'll take that all day long. And to be quite honest, like to be quite frank, I think that is kind of the trajectory of this team. I think they're around that that from five to seven wins. I think that's the mark of this team. Now they very well could prove us all wrong and, and you know win more games than that. But I think that this is definitely a step, a step here, a stepping stone. It's year one. They're trying to build, and there's there's a lot of emphasis on the future, and specifically when it comes to continuity. And, and Starnes, I'm going to plug one of your Daily Cougar articles, your Cougar, the Cougar articles, but obviously you interviewed Chris Pesman, um, and specifically he was talking about the baseball coach and Todd Whitting, and how he wanted him to stay because of he, he feels that he's the right person to be able to lead the team during that transition, that, that talk of transition. Uh, it's very important when it comes to continuity. I think you can put Dana Horson in that same boat. What yeah. say you about that, Starnes? Uh, I, I mean, absolutely. I I think you know there's definitely a, a a feeling you know, especially just with the revenue and the operating budget that the school will have um, in comparison to other Big Twelve schools. I think they want to sort of catch up a little bit and then maybe sort of deal 
maybe see if they, you know, when they invest properly into those programs, especially football, uh, you know, Calvin Sampson, you know, that'll be fine. But, uh, you know, baseball, things like that. I mean, if they, I think, he, you know, the goal is to sort of get these programs up to speed, you know, especially the football facility, things like that. They want to get them up to speed. And then, you know, if they are up to speed or they're close to and they're not seeing what they want, then maybe that'll be a, a decision to make. Most definitely big Jack five one two on YouTube says no hot seat at all. Dana has two years minimum. Stop the hot the hot seat talk. Just stop. Joe Mendez says Horison will get at least three years to get it right in the Big Twelve. Another point from Big Jack five one two. Chris Pussman did say that he went on three sixty five on YouTube. He said that Dana Horison could go one eleven if that won for this season. Specifically referring Texas is the win. He'd be safe, but. Definitely, I think the point of emphasis for the administration this year and kudos to them because they have been able to meet their goals, has been able to build up specifically the season ticket holder fan base um, and being able to take advantage of that jump in the Big 12. And there's going to be a lot more people on campus um, starting hopefully starting against UTSA, but most definitely once they start the Big 12 schedule against TCU on September 16th, I believe that's the day, September 16th when they take on uh, TCU. And even, I know for sure, October 21 when they host Texas, that's going to be, that that will probably be the all-time record in attendance at TDCU Stadium. The biggest priority for Houston is being able to bottle that and take advantage of that momentum heading into, obviously this is year one of the Big 12, but just heading into um, the long-term future of the Big 12. Uh, Starnes, last question about the the roster makeup, and it's really open-ended. Anything else that you wanted to add that we might not have asked specifically regarding this team uh, heading into their first year in the Big 12? Um, I think... Really, it's just there. There, one thing Dana did mention, and Dion alluded to earlier, is competition. He said there, there's competition. He thinks at every spot on this team, and you know, I that's generally seen as a good thing. Um, and it's just a matter of if that competition is going to breed a good enough, you know, a good enough team to compete in, in this big in this new Big Twelve conference. I got a one quick question. How how hungry did you sense from the players that they were to not only prove that they belong, but prove that they could be successful in the Big 12? Because I think from the outside, you know, people expect not really much, but players, I would think they have high expectation within themselves and what they could do. I think what I sense is that they're really giddy to just go out there and play and then play amongst this competition and then you know of course you know they 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 want to they want to prove people wrong they want to they want to prove that preseason poll wrong things like that absolutely we'll put a pin on it i'll bring up one Final comment from Big Jack 512. Dana's contract goes through 2027 with a huge buyout. Learn to love Dana, Big Jack 512 says. Um, but kind of segue real quick. We're going to talk a little bit more of 
the Big 12 Conference overall as a whole, when it comes to Commissioner Bray Yarmark, he had a lot of interesting things to say uh, about Houston, especially when it comes to the market and the potential of the University of Houston and just overall across the conference as a whole. Once again, I'd like to remind everybody that's watching live on the Potsdam Jamma YouTube channel to make sure to hit the like button if you haven't done so already. If you are new to the channel, please be sure to hit subscribe. And if you're a returning subscriber, thank you so much for helping us get 1,000 subscribers earlier this month. We can't can never say thank you enough. And of course, if you're listening to audio only, whatever platform that may be, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, so please be sure to give us five stars if you feel that we deserve it, of course, and make Pots Time Jam a part of your playlist when it comes to University of Houston podcast. And on that note, bringing it back here on Pod Slam Jamma. I'll stay on there for a second. But Starnes. Talking about Commissioner Brett Yormark, obviously he is entering he is entering year two as commissioner of the Big Twelve, and a lot of innovation. That's that's the word that kind of seems to be synonymous with Brett Yormark when it comes to being commissioner of the Big Twelve. What stood out to you about anything he might have said during media day? I think, I mean, what you get from him is that he's really ambitious. Um, and that he really wants to move things forward. And he was talking about connecting with Gen Z. You know, the Big 12 Mexico thing uh, is a pretty big deal, especially, you know, with Houston and uh, basketball doing it against Kansas. Um, and one of the things that sort of stood out, one of the things he was asked about was his experience in professional sports. And it does seem like he's sort of bringing that sort of marketing plan, things like that, and those sort of initiatives over to the Big 12. And uh, he also, uh, of course, with, you know, the expansion period, expansion is such a big deal. He did, he did mention that they do have a plan about, a, uh, about expansion, but uh, really didn't go into it further than that. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Starnes, they on you. Commissioner Yormark has been saying that for a while now when it comes to expansion. The phrase that, that became uh, popular uh, during the course of last season was open for business. And starts to your point, he did kind of go into not detail, but he mentioned how he, he brought it up again. Open for business for the Big 12 doesn't necessarily mean they're looking for expansion at, you know, to expand tomorrow. It's to be able to do what's best for the conference. And the word he used specifically, what adds the most value to the members as a whole, specifically when it comes to potential uh, expansion regarding the Big 12. Now, Starnes, you were there, obviously, the kind of the elephant in the room, Texas and OU with them departing. How much of a big deal, how much of a storyline was that during Big 12 Media Day? It was it was oddly sort of muted in some way. I mean, there are people asking about it, you know, you know, asking the coaches about what it would be like playing against them, you know, asking uh, Steve Sarkeesian, you know, what it would be like, and and also Brett Yormark. But, you know, it seemed like, at least in Yormark's perspective, you know, of course, losing your, your two biggest brands is a huge deal. Um, but it seems that everybody's confident that the Big 12 is still going to be a top-tier conference. They're still going to go forward. They're still going to get better. Um, and that 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 sort of seems to be what the, the sentiment was uh, uh, at Big 12 Media Day. 
One of the things that stood out to me that he talked about was not only did he say it's one of the best times to be part of the Big 12, but he acknowledged how OU and Texas have national brands that, I mean, you really, I mean, kind of speaks for themselves. But I think it was a question asked to him about how he felt about um, allowing ADs and, and getting the input from ADs about creating new rivalries and um, embracing like, for example, Houston TCU, I just thought, or Houston, Texas Tech, just different rivalries that will come to fruition that they can really brand those matchups and, and get into, I guess, national rivalries per se. So that was one of the things that really stood out to me when he kind of talked about um, bringing new rivals and kind of creating new traditions with some of the new additions to the teams. Kevin Josso on YouTube dropped a, a wrestling promo right there. Your mark is snapping necks and cashing checks uh, for the Big 12 Conference. And that's an interesting point, Dayon, specifically about new rivalries. I think if we're localizing it specifically to Houston. I think, you know, I, I'll toss this question out there because I'm curious to get you guys' thoughts on it. But I most definitely think that Texas Tech is kind of – you could pencil them in as the top rivalry in the Big 12 once uh, OU and Texas leave, specifically because of the recent history that they already have. They've, for the most part, already played on a regular, uh, obviously not every season, but it, it seems like more, very frequently that those two programs have met. And uh, obviously, specifically from a Houston perspective, Texas Tech has come away with the better side of things for the last few meetings. But just look at last season, how crazy that game was, and it went to overtime, and and there, there's been a lot of transfers from Tech to Houston, and, and that's something to add to it as well. What, what, what school in Texas do you think could potentially overtake that big rivalry um, in the coming seasons? Uh, I, I mean, I, I think Baylor, being the program that it has uh, with, under Dave Aranda, is a pretty big one. TCU, uh, just, I mean, based on last year alone, is going to be such a huge deal if they continue that success under Sonny Dykes. I mean, those those teams, to me, uh, really stand out. And, of course, you know, Texas Tech, with the history, just the recent history, um, is always going to be there. And uh, I believe uh, UVH will go to Waco this year, or go to Lubbock this year, mm-hmm. uh, which they did last year as well. They go to Waco so, as well, I believe. They go to Waco, and then TCU and Texas come to our home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think I don't know in terms of you know U of H Texas Tech rivalry. I don't know how much it'll be felt that first year in Lubbock. I think when it comes back to TDCU, you know, next year or in the future, I think that's when we'll really get a gauge of really how big it is. Yeah, I agree with you, Storm. I think Baylor is a school that I can see overcoming the, the kind of the Texas Tech rivalry. Um, I could see TCU, like you said, if they continue um, to to hold on to the, some of the success that they had. And there's history between um, of their coach, Sonny Dykes, and Dana Hogerson as well. So I, I think that could be where Baylor sticks out to me 100%. I agree with that wholeheartedly, not only with football, but I think basketball as well. Big Jack 512 says UH versus Texas Tech all time is 18, 15, and 1. So very similar when it comes to that rivalry. Joe Mendez brought up Baylor, the COVID non game in Waco in 2020. That definitely added some uh, some fuel to what has relatively been a dormant fire over the last few years. Um, 
with with <laughs> with the the UH football equipment truck already in Waco before that game got canceled. And we know about Dana Hogerson's tweet shortly thereafter. But kind of going back to Brett Yarmark specifically when it comes to Houston, one of the things he said whenever he he was um, speaking uh, yesterday on Wednesday during media day, he called Houston a top ten market, and he said it's critically important for the conference to be able to have uh, that Houston market. And specifically, Starnes, you you mentioned it um, about the, their goal to be able to attract Gen Z and stuff like that. But specifically when it comes to the Houston market, how important is it for the Big 12 to be able to have a foothold in that Houston market? And is the Houston Cougars, is the University of Houston able to fill that uh, market hole, for lack of a better phrase? Yeah, I, I think I – think- if you think about it with just the the size and the market that the city of Houston is um, with OU and Texas leaving, there's, you know, if you think about it, there's an opportunity there that you need to take, take hold of that maybe fill some of that in. Um, And he, you know, it's, he seemed to, to really believe that it was important. And I think in terms of if U of H is able to fill that hole, I think men's basketball, absolutely. Um, and you already you've already seen it. They're they're looking at them um, with the you're looking at you know the Mexico City game mm-hmm. uh, a year from now. Um, and then I think football uh, is yet to be seen. You know, especially with uh, you know sort of the the fanfare in the recent years, uh, just with football games. You know, in terms of how the stadium has been, you know, hasn't really been packed for a while. And you know that'll yet to be seen in the immediate uh, future. I don't know. Well, it'll really, it'll really have to be seen. It just, it takes, it takes, they need to, U of H football needs to be competitive. They need to win. That's what needs to happen to fill that, fill that hole. You know what? I think best case scenario, not only for Houston, but for the big 12 is say if Houston has a year like TCU had last year, and let's just say they have that type of year and they make it to, um, the college playoff or even the national championship game. I think not only will that, of course we know what it'll do for Houston, but for the big 12 with the size of the market, I think the big 12 would even pour even more resources into Houston and the city because Houston could really, if they have that type of initial success could jump all the way. I don't want to say reach the heights of Texas because Texas is such a dominant pro and um, remarkable program. And they're so but, far ahead. Yeah, in the football head. But I think if they have that immediate success, that Houston is such a big market, such a huge big city, I think you'll hear them start to, to dominate recruiting. You'll start to just to hear so much about Houston and their brand if they were able to, to reach that type of initial success, not only for Houston, but for the Big 12. I think it would aid the Big 12 just as much as it would as Houston. Most definitely. And, and Starnes, I, that's a great point. And when you look at women's basketball has been able to establish and Dayon, you kind of alluded to it too, the support that the conference has given to the men's basketball program. There was a couple of times when Brent Yormark specifically mentioned the, the basketball program at Houston and uh, the level of success that obviously they've been able to achieve. But specifically to me, what stands out when Yormark is, is really pointing out that program, the basketball program is how highly he thinks of UH men's basketball. And you mentioned the, the really it's the two premier 
programs when it comes to Kansas and Houston being the, the two programs that are being showcased um, in an international game when it comes to the Mexico City game, um, when it comes to 2024, when they play that non-conference game. If football is able to have that success, Dayon, absolutely, I agree 100%. You'll start seeing a lot of that momentum that when it comes in recruiting and sky's the limit. The potential, I'm curious, do you guys agree, the potential for Houston in football is through the roof. Now, whether they reach it or not, that's going to be determined in the next season and in the coming seasons. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it you know, it, it, just from a market's perspective and a recruiting perspective, I mean, it shouldn't take a lot to really get the ball rolling for Houston to, to grow. And, you know, however long, you know, whenever that happens, if that happens where they're able to really get a good season going or get a good stretch going to get that ball rolling, you know, that, that that's yet to be seen. Yeah. And let's just say they don't reach where TCU reached. Let's just think about to where they reached to, was it the Chick-fil-A bowl when they beat Florida State a couple years ago? Let's just say sure. they reached to a New Year six bowl. I think even like it did when they played Florida State and beat Florida State, the momentum it had then, I think you can have that exact momentum for Houston. But even more, you look at the recruits you got after that, like the Ed Olivers and just the, all the momentum that came after that. I think if Houston can and just reach that level of success and not even mentioning national championship game, I mean, the potential is through the roof. But like Storm just said, they have to win. I mean, you win, I mean – uh, the the possibilities are um are limitless of so, uh, what Houston program can can do and can reach if they actually just start winning. As we start to wrap things up, Starnes, I'm gonna toss it to you. Uh, really, an open ended question. Anything else that you'd like to add that that stuck with you overall when it comes to Big Twelve Media Day? I think uh, one of the things was I found you know pretty fun was. Uh, with the players and, uh, you know, was just how real it felt to them seeing them, you know, they were, they were, you know, they were really excited. They were all dressed up. They were pretty happy about how they got dressed up as well, but you know, they, it sort of hit them that, you know, this is real. This is a big, you know, this is a big 12 event and they're, they're part of it. And I think that was one of the things that, that, uh, stuck with me. Dan, any final thoughts before we wrap things up? I mean, I, I would kind of echo the same words that Storm just said. I, I think just for what I'm seeing, the players seem to kind of have a – I don't want to say a different light about themselves, but they kind of really had a light about themselves and really it, it just seemed different versus American Conference media days and, and what they experienced at the Big 12 media days. It seemed like – just more light in their eyes and more, more energy, just more everything and preparing to be in this major conference on a, on a major stage on a week to week basis on national TV, no ESPN pluses, no ESPN four fives and six and all that. I think Houston is really relishing the moment and ready to be a part of this conference and take it by storm. Kevin Jossel's comment about the deputy commissioner in the Big 12 has popped up in my timeline. I'm curious. I don't know if you guys saw that, but again, not to get too much into Texas and OU, but they alluded to that that move to the SEC for them is much more about potentially, you know, they would rather lose the high, quote unquote, high profile programs like Alabama, like Florida, like Georgia, as opposed to 
Big 12 programs, which I'm curious. It's a little stir in the fire, but I don't know if you guys want to add anything uh, to that when it comes to that to that comment. If we wrap things up. I don't know, man. I don't know. A lot of politics when it comes to the yeah. Big 12. Something, I guess depending on what side you are, some if you're in the Texas and OU camp, they're going to say that it's salty feelings and they're feeling uh, it's just bitterness about them leaving. And if you're in the Big 12 perspective, they're going to love it. They're going to say they're running from the smoke and heading for the SEC. Exactly, Kevin Josso. Shots fired. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Pod Slime and Jamma. A big thank you to you, Starns, for hopping on this call and then really being a, a part of this live show on Pod Slime and Jamma. Have you ever done a live show before? Uh, I did. I did locked on Googs with uh, Parker uh, a few months ago, but other than that, no. Well, welcome to being live. You were you were great, by the way. How, Sorry, I mentioned the competitor. Is that a problem? No, oh, no, he was no, no, no. the show. We had been on locked on, and one of these days, Parker is going to be joining us here. Pod oh. the Gemma. That's no competition here. But floor is yours. Where can people find you on social media and anything else you want to plug? Uh, they can find me uh, at Starnes Leland uh, on Twitter uh, and on Threads uh, if you're joining that now. Um, also, uh, you know, keeping up with the Daily Cougar, you know, it'll be – it's coverage this year is going to be a big deal uh, with the Big 12 and things like that in all sports. You know, it's really going to ramp up. And, uh, you know, I think – you know, I don't think there's any other outlet that covers every game of every sport, um, you know, me uh and this this the sports section you know we do a lot of good work and you know uh uh i definitely encourage everyone to follow you know at the cougar sports at the daily cougar all those guys all those accounts hey guys first i'd like to thank you as well from joining us storms Keep it amazing work. You guys do a great job of covering Houston sports for sure. You can follow me on all social media platforms, as you see on the screen, at Dayon Dunlap. And as always, we appreciate you guys for tuning in with us. We appreciate you guys for interacting with us. And we're counting down the days. We cannot wait till football season, man. So we appreciate you guys for joining us. Real quickly, Starnes, I do want to kind of piggyback to what Dayon said and uh, kind of take a peek behind the curtain. But last season, for men's basketball specifically, um, I know you were doing stuff for GoCooks.com, but for those of you that may not know, Starnes is probably you were probably outside of Joseph and, and Ryan Monson, because Ryan Monson was just at everything. Uh, Jay, shout out to James Mueller as well. You guys were always there. Everything. It seemed like everything, you guys were always there, specifically you, Starns. Um, so big props to you, especially from the student perspective. I know you're doing stuff for Goku's.com, uh, but you don't. You didn't have to do that. You did. You went above and beyond, and you got a lot of uh, really good video. Those are a couple times where you went viral. Well, not viral. UH viral, you know what I mean? When it comes to stuff to broke, and specifically, obviously, you work on the Cougar as an alum for both of us. Obviously, it means a lot to be able to show really how highly you are taking uh, being able to cover the Cougar and, and doing stuff for the Cougar. And Obviously, they were in great hands with James, and um, they hit a home run with you being the next yeah. uh, in line. So we appreciate everything you do. Like Dayon said, it's great work, and keep it up, man, because people people are watching. People are seeing you grow. It's awesome to be able to see that 
and just keep it up. And when it comes to the Pod Slam Jamma perspective, again, please be sure to follow us on social media. If it's on Twitter, it's at Pod Slam Jamma, like you see on the screen, at P A W D S L A M A J A M A, or TikTok on Instagram, Let's Rage Cooks. Not on threads yet. I should probably do that when it comes to Let's Rage Cooks thread account. Thank you, Starns, as always, for joining us. This is a great episode when it comes to Big 12 Media Day. We're right around the corner, just a few weeks until, honestly, probably just about six weeks until September rolls around and Houston's kicking off against UTSA. So exciting times of inaugural season in the Big 12. Thank you for everyone that watched us live. And as always, we hope you enjoyed it. Dayon, you get the last word. Go Cougs.